It's time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. Our program today is brought to you by Menards Agway, your neighborhood yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont, compost soils and mulches, online at growcompost.com and located Route 2 in Moortown. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, your true value store near Caspian Lake. By Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you, Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. By Clausen's Florist and Greenhouse, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, located in Colchester. By PR Lumber, locally milled lumber and family owned on Route 15 in Walkett. And by your locally owned Montpelier Agway, seeds and feeds and so much more. Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, located on Main Street in Waitsfield. Our telephone lines are open, and Peter is here to hear your garden comments and to answer your garden questions. We are at locally 802-244-1777 and toll-free at 877-291-8255. We are broadcasting on all the frequencies of WDEV Radio and streaming worldwide at WDEVradio.com. And here's Peter. Hey, Joel. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good, good. What's up today? Uh, well, still kind of wet outside. <laughs> the only thing that seemed to be really growing is my lawn. So, <laughs> oh boy, isn't that the before the neighbors form an association, I did yeah. go out and mow it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have to bail it? It was almost, <laughs> almost that way. I had to wring it out. You know. <laughs> right, right. Well, I have to. Uh, I have to admit, my wife is doing that right now. Mm -hmm. So, she said it's it's got to be done today. So. Um, uh, and and the dandelions uh, were in full bloom. Yeah, well, I was very happy to get them before they turned into yeah. the little white things yeah. that uh, my fluff. neighbors don't appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the dandelion fluff. Yeah. Now, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if you had like a, a big vacuum cleaner. I was going by uh, East Montpelier where uh, Fairmont Farms is, and mm -hmm. they have a whole field, and it is just entirely of... Of the uh, blowflowers, as my oh, my kids yes. would call them, the 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 mature le the mature seeds of the dandelion, and uh, you know those are seeds. I wonder if you couldn't just harvest them and do something with them. I don't know. <laughs> plant overplant some enemy nation of the U.S. Don't give the <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> don't give the Secret that. Service any ideas. <laughs> yeah, right. They have enough already. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. One year, one year, my backyard, which I decided just to let go part of it behind mm -hmm. the garden, behind, yeah. and uh, it was the most densely packed yellow dandelions I'd ever saw. It was quite beautiful. It was just like a sheet of yellow. And at one point, one of my indoor cats escaped. Yeah. And it was, as I'm trying to gather her up, she was running through the dandelions, which oh. were tall, and all I would see would be a cat head pop up every now and then, you know? <laughs> was, was it all white? With, oh, yeah. <laughs> with fluff? I, I, got, I got some great pictures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And the, and the ticks this year seem to be, whew, I mean, they're coming right you know, we we found a few in the house and a couple on the dog, and my wife found one on her leg, and she was really freaked out, and, and I don't blame her because you know you go out, you have your long pants on, you have your shoe, your socks tucked into your pants tucked into your socks, and um, so anyway. Yeah, it's scary. I haven't uh, seen any, but then again, that's, that probably means I missed them, you know. <laughs> well, well, the the good news, the ones that we saw were the big ones, which uh, are not the ones that are the carriers of Lyme disease. The the big ones are, oh, you know, about an eighth of an inch, whatever. They're, they're, they're fairly good size, but it's the little tiny ones, I guess, it's the real problem, yep. the deer tip. So, anyway, uh-huh. I saw the deer. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're even before there's anything to eat in my garden. They're out there wandering around. You know. <laughs> I said, Joel, Joel, yeah. come on. I said, right, yeah. <laughs> we need food. Yeah, Where's then, that corn? <laughs> and then the raccoon showed up yesterday. Oh, Mama raccoon. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so. yeah hungry. 
And, uh, well, anyway. Every every year I see Mama Raccoon, and then she'd like just a... Uh, Five or six weeks later, she brings the whole family. Yeah. They're the cutest little things, but they yeah. eat up everything. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, and then some. Well, people have—I've heard quite a few people complain about. Oh, this is just is so rainy and it's wet and it's cool and you know the fact is is it's great gardening weather. I mean, once you suit up and and uh, you know get ready for the the elements. Um, it's great for the plants if you're planting any kind of sets or plant starts. Um, they they do best in this kind of weather. It's just um, that the uh, the temps are cool for us. Um, but uh, for most most plants, a cool rainy or cloudy day is is perfect planting weather. So. Don't be put off just because the weather's not good for you. It's really good for the those garden sets, and for that matter, even the seeds will do fine in this weather. the The one thing you do have to watch, and like I said last week, uh, Memorial Day basically came a week early this year because uh, last week, the twenty fifth, it was still cool and all the nighttime temperatures were in the 40s 42 43 i think the high was 46 and if you look at nighttime temperatures for this week up until wednesday it's in the 40s too so if you think you're late planting just forget that you're right on time this is a good time to plant those tomatoes and and uh, anything else anytime this week um, the nighttime temperatures are still a little cool, so you're not really missing out on anything. So go ahead and get those, get those warm weather crops in, uh, and even wait till next week if you have to. You know your tomatoes, your peppers, eggplants, basil, the tomatillos, anything that likes the warmer weather and the warmer soil temperatures. So, and uh, of course, my thesis is always is it's never too late to plant something, and. Um, you know, you you won't be set back at all if you go ahead and and wait another week before you plant all those. If you do plant them this week or you planted them last week, that's fine. You know, you do have to keep your eye out for frost. Unfortunately, I haven't heard or seen any of that. All the temps were still in the 40s. But if you have a, a cover form of any kind, doesn't hurt much. And it may be that you're in a in one of those pockets, one of those mini climates that's you know, where the temps in the night are still in the 50, 55 range, which is great. This is great, but you you just want to watch out for that, for those uh, for those things that you planted. And let's see now. We are talking about well, sets. If you're putting your sets out this this week, hopefully you've you've spent a little time getting them ready. You know, um, a lot of the sets that you buy now have been outside. They've been in the wind. And those are the two things, uh, the three things is outside in the wind, outside in the cooler temperatures, and outside in the full sun. Those are the things that sets need to get used to in order to not be set back when they, when you put them in the ground. How do you know if they're set back? Well, their leaves will turn purple or yellow or um, it doesn't necessarily kill them. It just sets them back a little bit. But um, your sets um, uh, need to get, uh, you know, there needs to be some sort of transition between the, the warm indoor of the uh, greenhouse or your home and the harsher conditions outdoors. So spend a little time, you know, at least three or four days, if not the whole week of putting them out during the day in a sort of a semi-sunny, mostly shady spot, bring them in at night or protect them somehow or another at night. And this gradual transition will help you in the long run. Um, I, you know, obviously any seeds that you plant, you don't need to worry about any of that. But the sets, um, you know, are, are, are tender. They're definitely very tender. So what I do when I do my sets is um, I actually, you know, just use my hand or a trowel or something and, and move the, the soil aside. And you want to make sure you, you don't grab the set by the stem and pull it out because that that can actually damage the root system. So you want to stick your finger in, in the bottom of the little plastic thing or turn it right over and jiggle it a little bit so that the sets fall out into your hands. And then at that point, you want to just turn it right over and put it right in that hole 
and I actually make a little divot around around the plant, you know, maybe three-quarter of an inch, half inch, something, so that there's a little bit of a well around to each plant. And so when you go to water, if you're using a cup or or well even a hose you can you can fill that cup up with water and and it'll go right down into the root system and that's really where you need the water is right there on that root system yeah sure you want to go ahead and water the rest of the soil around it but the real important part is right there around that plant and having a slight dish in there helps uh, to you know direct the water into the root system so once you've done that if it is really, really sunny that day that you're planting, then you should go ahead and off, uh, try to make a little bit of shade for, um, for the plant. Um, whether you, you can cover it with a cup that has some holes in it. Um, you know, there's all different ways to, to shade the plants. Um, if it's not sunny like it's been... You're, you're golden, you know, you don't need to worry about it. But from the day you plant, for one week, you want to make sure you water them every day so that root system has plenty of water to, to uh, get things started. And that's something I think that uh, is oftentimes missed in doing this set. You should put them in the ground, you water them once, you figure, well, from here on, they can, they're just plants they can do with the... Uh, you know, the rain or a little watering every week. Well, in the beginning, they need the extra help, the extra water. So you want to water them every day until you see that they're, 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 they're well settled into the soil. Um, of course, most of the uh, most of the your fertilizers and stuff are already in your beds. You went ahead and added your fertilizer and your lime, your azomite, and all those other things. So it's um, it's pretty well fertilized. If if you want to, you can use a spray of like a seaweed kelp or a liquid seaweed kelp or a, even a, a liquid fish emulsion if you want to. Um, if you if you're concerned about uh, the the soil fertility, you can you can feed them with a foliar feed of just a simple spray like that. And that's a fairly it's a fairly mild spray. I think it's like two tablespoons per gallon, so it's not strong or anything, but it's it's effective as well. Um, for for me, where I am in uh, Calais, Central Vermont, um, my nighttime temperatures all throughout the summer uh, will will go down into the low 50s, the high 40s. You know, it's not unusual for me to have a night that's in the 40s. So my, I had a long time, I had problems getting peppers to actually uh, set fruit. And it's true for eggplants and, and even uh, things like basil, uh, you know, all those warm weather plants I had problems with. So um, I realized that it came, you know, it was actually, I was talking to a guy who who grew, um, commercially grew basil. And he said, well, you know, if you if it's not growing, it's too cold. <laughs> or it's not getting enough water. Or, you know. <laughs> so I started kind of adding two and two together and saying, oh, it's too cold for these guys in my summer temperatures and nighttime temperatures. You know, that's what you really need to look at is those nighttime temperatures. So what I do is I put a hoop house over um, my peppers and eggplants and basil and, um, and sometimes even my tomato plants when they're younger. That way uh, there is, uh, let's see, the hoop house that I use is actually open front and back. And I have one single sheet of plastic that goes up over the hoop. And what that does is the heat from the soil throughout the night radiates up and then is sort of caught inside that plastic. And it makes for a mini culture. It makes for um, a, little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of a temperature variation between the nighttime temps and that temp around those. And that's been really effective. So if you're finding that your eggplants or your peppers, especially uh, those two are are setting flowers but not setting fruit more as they're flowering but not setting fruit that 
the problem is the nighttime temperature. So you give that a try, put, give it just a little mini, mini, hoop, uh, mini uh, greenhouse, you know. Uh, mini climate can uh, make all the difference with those things. So if you want to call in, it's 802-244-1777. And we have uh, toll-free 1-877-291-TALK. Talk is 8255. So give us a call if you get a chance. I understand, Joel, that the um, the plant sale at uh, Cape Farm is this week still going on this week, right? Yeah, this is the final week of it. Final the, week yep. of it from 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock. Right. And it's both Saturday and Sunday, which is different this year. It's usually been just Sundays, but now it's Saturday and Sunday. And if a uh, great place to buy your sets, um, they have everything. It's all grown organically. It is, um, there are signs off of Route 2 and off of Route 14 uh, to turn where the plant sale is. It just, uh, uh, what's the name of that road that goes between the two of them? Is that Coburn? Yeah, Coburn yeah, yeah. Road. There you go. So you just, uh, you could, whether you're going up Route 14 towards Hardwick or Route 2 towards Plainfield, um, you'll see a sign on the right or the left, and and uh, that's good from 8 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, both Saturday and Sunday. Yep, and uh, this is the final weekend of the formal sale, so mm -hmm. they still have plenty, believe you me, <laughs> and uh, they'd love to have you come on out. Yeah. Peter, we have um, Janet in, oh. uh, like push the right button, in Milton for you. Hey, Janet. Hi. I just want to make a comment about dandelions. Sure. I think they should be Vermont state flowers, personally. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> I think they are probably one of the most beautiful flowers if you yeah. take a close look at it, even uh, you the know, powder puff. That's right. I remember as a kid, uh, you know, it was always, when, do you like butter? And they put the exactly. under your chin, and yeah, it was yellow, so you like butter, yeah. Right, yeah. but the biggest thing is it is a major honey crop honeybee. Uh, you know, I hadn't really thought of that, but it is. I it's see what this, you're saying. This, we are beekeepers, mm. and this is the biggest honey flow of the year. You're kidding. No, I am not kidding. Oh, you my can God. research that and find it that. on any website. Uh, thank you for telling me that. I did not know that. I have a totally different view of dandelions. And I get so upset when people <laughs> spray their Lawns yeah. To kill the dandelions. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got you. Well, we we have a dandy crop of dandelions this year. <laughs> uh, we do too. In fact, my husband goes out, and I won't let him mow our lawn, and we have oh. a huge lawn until the, they turn to powder puff. <laughs> he gets a little upset with me. Uh, These are happy. Well, my my wife uh, uh, is a little bit sensitive to caffeine, so she she doesn't drink coffee anymore, and even black tea is a little bit much. But she has a, a drink that they call Dandy Blend, and I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's one of those, you know, coffee light coffee substitutes, exactly. sort of Sanka. And this Dandy Blend is really really good. I, I mean, use it's, the dandelion tea also. Oh really? Yes, dandelion uh, root. I like root? it very much. Uh, how do you make it? I, well, I bought a D-Bag. Because <laughs> they are available. I think Celestial Seasoning is one product, and I'm really? sure there's many others. But it's all natural, and it makes a lovely tea. And, of course, I put a little honey in it. Yeah, well, of course. You'd have to put a little honey in it. <laughs> right. But I just wanted to make that comment, because so many people just spray poisons on their lawn to kill the dandelion. Oh, well, God bless the dandelion, then, from now on. <laughs> Okay, thank you. <laughs> Janet, thank you for that call. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. I just want to add my two cents. I grew up, uh, you know, in the Bronx, New York, and it was like an ethnic melting pot. And, uh, you know, when I first got to be able to drive, driving on the Bronx River Parkway, the center islands were just covered with dandelions, mm. and the uh, the Italian-American women were there picking them. I said, what the heck are they picking did them for? Whoa, did they make dandelion wine when I first... <laughs> My my buddy Johnny DePippo, he said, "Hey, you got to taste some of my grandmother's wine." I uh, I shouldn't have driven home after that. Let me tell you. But don't forget the dandelion greens that are powerhouse yep. of nutrition. Yeah, there you go. But don't you have to you have to boil them, parboil them, don't you? Yes, you do, and I like it with like uh, vinegar dressing. Mm. Ooh, 
there you and, go. Uh, it is very yeah. delicious. The whole plant is edible. There you go. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm with you. Let's make it the state flower and make it illegal to mow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and honeybees cannot access honey from red clover. Their tongues are not long enough. Oh, is that right? <laughs> But white clover and other clovers are fine. Oh, yeah. It's red clover, which is our state flower. (laughs) Well, what about the crimson clover? Is that the same as the red? Ah, does it have a big head? I'm not real sure. It actually has almost a spike for a head. Oh, right. That's probably fine. If it has little flowers that the bees can access, I'm Uh, sure they'd be all over it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that the hummingbirds love it. That's for right, sure. Right, then I bet the bees would too. Yeah. Of course, the hummingbirds have an advantage with the longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, they go after our comfrey like crazy. Yeah, I mean, and the honeybees love comfrey too. Uh, and the other one that I've mentioned here before is the uh, creeping thyme. Yep. The yep. honeybees absolutely alive. Never seen anything like the the honeybees on the creeping thyme. Right, and I believe their absolute favorite flower mm. is the flower of the burdock. Really? Believe it or not. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I'm trying to think flower of the burdock. And what it's beautiful. Is... It's a thistle, and it's purple oh. or pinkish oh. purple. Okay. And it's very beautiful, but, you wait. know, you... The when, burrs are not so much fun. <laughs> when you say flower of the burdock, all I'm thinking of is the burr of the burdock. So oh, no, no. I guess yeah. I'll have to take a closer look at the flower of the burdock. It is. It's very beautiful. So. <laughs> well, it's like milkweed. Milkweed has a fragrance that rivals uh, the lilac. Exactly. And that's, that is incredible. Now, are the burdock flowers, are they uh, bluish? Well, they're more purple. More purple, yeah, okay. It's kind of a, it's in the thistle family, and most of the thistles are purple. Hmm. Yeah, I know from uh, the Niger seed that falls out of my uh, my uh, my feeders for the goldfinches, yeah. when uh, they will fall off the deck, and I have burrs all over the place, and I'm convinced it's the Niger seed, which oh, I, I believe is a kind of burdock, yeah. Yeah, well... Hmm. That's very good, and thank you for your time. We learned something today. Indeed. I appreciate it, Janet. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, I was at the the co-op, city market co-op, and uh, uh, a few days ago, my wife and I went shopping, and um, one of the ladies there um, had been to my scruffle garden class, and her friend, who was a teller there, was saying, you need to talk to this guy because, you know, you have that new home and you want to start a garden. And I said, well, you just call the show. I'll give you the garden basics. So if someone calls, you know, and they want the garden basics, you'll know why. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, I hope her, he does, yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, her name was Lauren, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, we'll see. We may get a call for garden basics. And uh, so um, I don't know if you've you've listened to the something new series I was do, been doing. They've been playing them throughout yes. the last three weeks, and um, I did the trombone zucchini and the, all the different kinds of spinaches and spinach substitutes, celeriac, sorrel, edamame, and uh, this week I'm doing the um, the uh, daikon radish. You know, and uh, we we tried that a few years ago for the first time, and. Um, you got a caller. I believe we do have Walt in Shoreham. Shoreham. Okay, well, let's, I'll go on with the daikon later. Okay. You need to care of Walt right now. Oh, hello. hello um, Walt. Welcome. I had a, I had a comment about, and a question, but a uh, comment about uh, timing of transplanting. We, we put our tomato plants in about Memorial Day. Yeah. Timely rain saved from watering, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they haven't really done anything since then, so... Yeah. Like I think you said, I, I don't think people are too late at all. No. Yeah, they, that, that's They've right. just been about the same size since we put them in. That's okay. They'll be fine. You know, if, you, if you're worried about them a little bit, like I said, you can do a foliar spray or, or put a little bit of the uh, sea kelp, uh, liquid sea kelp or liquid uh, fish fertilizer. Would it be a fertilizing for yeah. foliar spray? Yeah, it would be fertilizing, yeah. Yeah, but the... My question... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry? Your question? Oh, my question was, I was thinking about growing some wheat in my garden, a little thing of wheat. I wondered if you had any thoughts on how to best to plant and seeding rate for that. Well, wheat is not a, a heavy feeder. 
and um, like any fruiting thing, you know, too much nitrogen. So you want to you want a good all round, you know, the compost, and and then uh, you know the one cup of, of a standard uh, um, uh, fertilizer. You don't want a high nitrogen fertilizer, if that's what your question was. But once you do that, it's uh, you just plant them in in rows, just like you would. Uh, you see, in uh, if you've ever watched the farmers plant them, they they it's called a drill, and they they basically yeah, about six inches apart. Yeah, rows about six inches apart. Uh, you could probably go a little bit closer because you're not you're not going to go back in with any implements or tools to to weed it. I don't know how much you're thinking about uh, 100 square feet or 20 square feet or just a sort of a sampler, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. just a little. Yeah. No, it's great uh, if you've got kids. They they just they're thrilled. I I'm thrilled <laughs> with it. Honestly, it, it's just uh, it, it, you know growing and seeing the uh, the progress of a of a grain like that is is really thrilling. There's great books on it, but uh, for the gardener, wheat is not very productive. This is mostly just for um, for looks and for Cover fun. Crop kind of deal. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can grow um, uh, buckwheat also, and that'll that'll flower and fruit. You know, it, you'll have buckwheat, the little triangular buckwheat seeds. That's a fun one, and I I enjoy that one the same. The other one was is oats, and uh, it's funny you you take those um, the kernels uh, of the oats or the wheat and. And, uh, you know, being curious like I am, you know, I'll try a few, see how they taste, you know. And they're remarkably sweet. They're just remarkably sweet in that, you know, and soft before they actually harden up and dry out. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to uh, go the next step, uh, you know, cutting them down and go ahead and dry them out and then, you know, you... You thrash them and then, you know, throw them up in front of a fan. You get rid of all the chaff. It's a, it's a fascinating process for sure. Well, well, well worth the fun of it, you know. What uh, are you thinking of? Let's see. It's, uh, you want a spring wheat now, not a winter wheat. Right, not a winter. Yeah. Uh, or the oats uh, and, and a, even a barley will, you can, you can use those as well. That's a lot of fun doing those. And you don't think it's too late at this point either? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not at all. I, would, I, I wouldn't hesitate a second. Very uh, good. You will. Well, love the show. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I'd love to hear from you when you're harvesting your wheat. <laughs> we'll give you a shout when we find out. Okay, Cheers. well, yeah, take care. Good luck. Thank you. Numbers are 244-1777, that's the 802 number, 244-1777, or toll-free, 877-291-8255. I don't know if growing your own wheat would uh, encourage one to uh, do some home brewing, but my, one of my favorite beers is a wheat beer, <laughs> that Blue Moon, that, uh, yeah. and boy, is that good. Yeah, that's good. I don't know why I think about everything I plant <laughs> in terms you know, of dandelion wine. Well, we got plenty of dandelions. Let's grow some wheat, make some wheat beer, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what other kind of plants? What do you do with cabbage? Right? I'm just wondering about poison ivy. You know? uh, which, which is just the darndest thing, because I, when I was a kid, I could look at poison ivy and then have it all over my body. Now we go through the woods. My dog loves to go through the woods. There's poison ivy everywhere. Uh -huh. And 60 years later, or 70 years later, I don't get it anymore. You don't get it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good thing. I, I was uh, at Camp Fitch on on uh, uh, Lake Erie when I was a kid, and everybody in in our uh, tent got poison ivy except me. I was the only one who didn't. Uh, so yeah, some was, people are so blessed. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. The the downside of that is is they had a swim meet and somebody had to swim and all for all of the different uh, uh, you know events. And since I was the only one who could go in the water, I had to swim them all. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I don't know what we could do with poison ivy, but we'll stick with the uh, well for now. The daikon radish. If you've never grown daikon radish, certainly you've seen it in the market. I mean, it's a, it looks like a big white carrot. How do you spell daikon? I'm I always D take notes. D-A-I-K-O-N. D-A-I. 
KO. I, I would I would not have been one of the final eights on that, <laughs> that spelling yeah, bee. Yeah, wasn't that something? It was great. That was really Did amazing. Ever tell you about my own uh, thing with the spelling bee? No. Okay, well, I, on the very first round, when I was a kid, they uh, asked me to spell weather, like Roger Hill forecast yeah. the weather. Yeah, and I yeah. said, And I said, okay, that's yep. an easy one. W-Z-H-Z-T-H-E-R-E. <laughs> The judge looked at me and said, that's the worst spell of weather we had around here in a long time. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> well, whether or not you're good yes. at spelling. <laughs> Dicon, okay, D-A-I-K-O-N. <laughs> so the Dicon, my, my wife spent a couple of years in Japan, and, and uh, she said, you know, we should grow some Dicon. They use it a lot over there. So we use it. In so many different ways now, uh, she'll actually grate it up and put it in a soup, like a miso soup for a flavoring. Um, we actually roast it right along with beets and uh, carrots and squash, you know, when we roast vegetables. Um, it's also, uh, uh, it's it's a great, it stores really well, just like carrots and stuff. Um, and then we use it uh, for um, our kimchi that we make with uh carrots and radish and um, just an all-around great vegetable and it's humongous i mean literally 16 inch maybe even 20 inch on some of them you know the average is probably more like 10 12 inches inch and a half two inches around they say it can grow up to four inch never seen that myself it's more like two maybe even two and a half inches across Still very, very productive. Um, I, I did the first time we grew it, I decided on I made a, a four by eight bed. You know, it was a little bigger because we were, we were planning on covering it, and I figured, well, I might as well cover a whole eight foot rather than two four footers. So, um, uh, and I did a one foot bed because I knew they were going to be deep. We loosened the soil underneath and all the rest, and we had, you know. We had a good crop, 96 of these things, and they were huge. We, we ended up making like five gallons of kimchi and still had some to store in the cold cellar. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It sounds it like you a, could do batting practice with you them. You just about could. <laughs> it just about could. I have a picture of my wife holding the, the, the daikon radishes. Uh, I should post. Um, so anyway, uh, the daikon radish is really well worth the trouble uh, growing, and you can use it in a lot of different ways. Uh, some people even do. Um, I was reading a recipe for sliced daikon and cucumber sandwiches, um, and it has a nice radish flavor. If you like radishes, you know you'll definitely like uh, a daikon radish. Um, there's almost uh, no, you know, uh, 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 dinner that's not served uh, with a pickled, a piece of pickled daikon. And uh, they pickle it with uh, some spice that makes it turn yellow. And and uh, that's very common in Japan is the, the pickled daikon. Matter of fact, you see it sometimes in the uh, sushi rolls. You know, you see a sort of a yellow looking, you know, thing in there. And that's daikon. And that was something new that I had we had never tried before and was super well worth it. I really, really liked the results of that one. Yeah, so um, this is the, the the sort of the real Memorial Day weekend. And you want to get all of your sets in, get them watered, get them fed, take care of them. Um, if, uh, if you miss this weekend, don't hesitate to do what you need to do next weekend. You still got plenty of time for most everything that, you're, that you want to plant. Um, and don't forget... You want to keep planting your greens, okay? Um, even though you're probably sort of right up to the eyeballs with all the other things, uh, throwing in a, a square foot of uh, mescaline mix or a couple of um, uh, some seeds of lettuces, you know, those are things that sort of just keep, you know, you want to keep planting um uh, week after week, so or a couple of weeks, so that you you have a steady supply of nice uh, nice fresh salad greens for your for your um, salad bowl, and that's one of the real pleasures of having a garden is going out, going, walking around, looking at what's available to to put in the salad bowl. 
And uh, right now we've got, um, well, I told you about the scallions that we're picking from the, uh, uh, from the uh, Egyptian onions. But uh, I noticed that the, uh, the chives are starting to flower up. The chives are great just by themselves, but the flowers are actually uh, really, when they're, you know, just right new, um, they're a delicious addition to, to your salad bowl. We've been picking asparagus, which is, uh, which is <laughs> such a pleasure to have. Oh, my gosh. And uh, that, uh, that's a, a lot of a, just a real, um, a real treat to have those. Uh, they've been uh, coming up like gangbusters. Hey, do you uh, you need some more uh, rhubarb, Joel? I, I would never say no. I am still working on the oh, oh, okay. on the huge uh, batch of uh, stra- uh, I mean, I put as many strawberries as there was rhubarb <laughs> in the, in this latest. Well, my daughter's you call it, uh, da- you know, daddy's compost. It's my uh, compote, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's really good. And I sweetened it for the. I don't sweeten it very much, uh-huh. but what I did, I, I in, in this huge batch, I put a cup of uh, maple syrup in it. Oh, there you go. So this was solid Vermont. Oh, man. <laughs> Love it. It's my favorite. I put it over ice cream. I just eat it the way it is. Mm-hmm. A rhubarb compost. That is, my, that is one of my favorite vegetables. And again, it's so one that I don't have to do too much to. It's yeah. almost as yeah. if it's better I stay away from certain yeah. crops yeah, and not, yeah. not deal with them. They come up a lot better. And we got lucky, a friend uh, gave uh, Deb a, uh, a start. And uh, it has to be the most vigorous rhubarb I've ever seen. It's, uh, I call it our Jurassic rhubarb. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> it's three feet. It's a good three feet tall right now. So. I've, I've never noticed a rhubarb being too thick or too tall and everything. <laughs> I just boil it down. I think we have a phone call right now. So let's go right okay. on the air. <laughs> let's go ahead. And see if this works. And... Uh, uh, good afternoon. You're on the air with uh, Peter Burke. Your name and town, please. First... Uh, Warner and Pomoka. Okay, Warner. How are you doing? Good. Good. You? Oh, good. Good. Got any black flies up there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> many, many. Talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish there was some way to uh, uh, train only... something to eat them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they're at up, but uh, you just have to gear up, that's all. What was your question, Warren? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Uh, well, I was interested in trying to grow mushrooms. Oh, yeah, sure. And and I, I think you can plant them on hardwood. And where, where would you get the seeds from? Or, well, the ores. Um, yeah. The most easy to grow, the most common one that's for the home grower is the shiitake mushroom. And those are growing on, uh, you know, new wood. You know, something that you would have, cut, you know, you cut um, in in the spring before. You know, before they start to leaf out and stuff. If you haven't cut any, I think you can still use uh, something that's leafed out if you have it. But it's basically it's new wood, okay. And then okay. what you do is you get you have to buy the um, the spores, and it comes either in a sawdust or something that looks like a dowel, you know, a wooden dowel. And uh, you drill holes. The ones that we have are 30-some inches long, maybe 32. And you drill holes in a series around the log and from, you know, top to bottom. And then you you um, you in, stick the sawdust in. You, there's a special tamper that you just whack, and it, it compacts it into the hole. And then you cover that with wax. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with wax, and that seals the hole from any other fungus that that um, because once you have a hole in there, it opens it up to the fun- any fungus that's in the air. Right. So the with those uh, with the spores in the there in the um, in the wood, they start to grow and they start to you know grow into the wood and eat up the cellulose in the wood. That log will produce. What we do is we'll next year. You probably won't get a crop this year, but next year, about this time, you put them in a bath of, of cold water, and that shocks the log, and it'll start to fruit, uh, you know, within a week of that. And then once you harvest all the, you know, all the mushrooms that you get out of that log, 
you can you let it rest for a while and then you shock it one more time during the season and you'll get another harvest out of it. Um, as far as getting the spores, the best thing is to go online is to get the spores. There's there's a lot of mushroom dealers that are certainly the most popular. Does it, does it have to be a hardwood? Yeah, it has to be a hardwood. It has to be a hardwood. Yeah, you want to, well, even a soft maple, you know, the, with the red leaves, oh, that that works just fine. And, um, you know, uh, some people grow the uh, oyster mushrooms with good luck, too. I'm not personally familiar with that, but I've seen, you know, uh, other people that have had good luck with those. And uh, you just fill up a bed with, uh, with bark, you know, or chips. If you can find some place where they're, they're chipping the, to, clear the, um, um, to clear for the power lines. And those chips, you can just fill up a bed with them. And then, again, you get the mycelium uh, uh, spores and uh, put them in the chips, and they'll start to grow. Well, I, I live up by PNR Hardwoods. I yeah, mean, yeah. would that, if, if you've got, like, mulch, would that, I mean, yeah. that's... Well, even the sawdust. Yeah, the those? sawdust will work for sure. Oh, yeah, right. But it does have to be, um, have to be a hardwood. I know PNR. Yeah, that's where it gets tough. Is that if they're cutting both soft hardwoods and softwoods, there's too much resin in the softwoods for the uh, for the mycelium to to grow, or at least the kinds of for the mushrooms that we want. Okay. Okay. Oyster mushrooms. Yeah, try the oyster mushrooms and the shiitake mushrooms. Both of yeah. those are the easiest for home growers. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, all right. I will. All right. And I think we have another caller and from Mitch in Plainfield. How you doing, buddy? Oh, uh, Pittsfield. Oh, Pittsfield. Oh, there you go. I can Not read, me. honestly. Well, <laughs> you know, well, no, I, I just have a small reef bed on the south side of the house. And uh, yeah. this year, the state of Vermont is putting in a brand new bridge next to the house. Yeah. But I can literally uh, go, I'm, I'm an arm's length away from the edge of the road. Yeah. Well, you know, if you like root vegetables, that's the way to go. You, okay, yeah. you may you may want to just give them a, a misting, you know, with the hose every day or so, just to you know get the. Uh, the dust off of them so that it doesn't impede the sunlight on the on the leaves. But you know, carrots are too fine. Uh, all of your beets, um, uh, celeriac, uh, rutabaga, the gill feather rutabaga is a great one. It's a wonderful vegetable and keeps well. Um, well, you know, for that matter, potatoes. You know, all all of those things would do fine, whether there's dust or not. You know, if you're growing lettuce, the the dust, you know, it'd probably take you, uh, you know, two days to wash off all the sand and stuff. So I, I would stay away from the greens, for sure. Well, yeah, I've got a little bit of baseball. I'll try the roots and see what happens. Thank you for your yeah. time. Oh, you're welcome, Mitch. Thanks for the call. I never thought of that, all the dust from the road. Yeah, if they're doing construction, there sure be plenty of it. <laughs> well, I, I just noticed um, when I try to grow along, along my mailbox yep. with all the salt that's on the road, yeah. it's uh, really, really hard. So you know, I, yeah. I, I, move it, I move it back a little bit, plant from behind the mailbox. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah. It's, well, uh, the thing is, it actually likes salt, you know. Uh, I was surprised asparagus is one of them. Hmm. They, they grow well with salt. And uh, out in uh, Pennsylvania, where my mom, dad, my brother and sister live, uh, you can see asparagus all along the roadsides, and, uh, you know, they love that salt on the side of the road. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd grow asparagus underneath my mailbox, but I, I try to grow the dandelions, uh, not dandelions, I try to grow the morning glories, and uh, if I do throw a whole bunch of fresh soil and compost on top of everything, then they'll yeah. grow fine. Yeah, right? the salt is not, is not too, too bad. Yeah, I was surprised that... A lot of um, a lot of books actually uh, say to put rock salt on your asparagus to keep the weeds down, and I'm thinking, you know, rock salt. Whoosh. 
No, it wasn't. Uh, if I remember my ancient history, mm -hmm. uh, then they salt over Carthage to uh, <laughs> to completely uh, wipe out the town in northern Africa. Yeah, I remember. yeah, yeah. I, you know, it sounds about right. <laughs> well, that was something I learned in seventh grade, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess all I took out of it was, well, I guess I'm not going to put any salt on the garden. You know? <laughs> and there you go. Your vision of right. humanity was, right. was skewed from them on. Right. Then on. <laughs> Who would do that? Mm. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah. So salt is, well, and, you know, uh, that was one thing. Uh, they recommend using Epsom salts for... Uh, for uh, uh, pepper plants. peppers, yeah, yeah I yeah. do that. I, and even eggplants. How do you do it? I just uh, I put a tablespoon in whatever size spray container I have, mm -hmm. and I spray. And that mm -hmm. was part of Dick Raymond's book. He yeah. said, "Spray the thing." And I remember the phrase too: "Spray the thing." Next thing you know, everything is bright and green. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been, you know, I I never did a test of peppers yeah. here with, yeah. the, with the Epsom salt peppers there without. I never did a controlled study like that, but every, uh, as I think back, every year that I've used the Epsom salt, I've had good good pepper crop. Good pepper yeah. crop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, the, I, I, from what I understand, there's a manganese or something like that mm -hmm. in the... There's some element that, that the... Uh, the plants really like so yeah there's a lot of well you know we argued about this at one point uh, I, I think with uh, uh, well actually I go I go back to a garden show I had with Dick Raymond and then it was Dick Ayers afterwards I think it was a, 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 with the garden show with Dick Ayers years ago arguing about the uh, match breaking little matches, yeah, matches and put them underneath mm -hmm, yeah. because they need the sulfur the sulfur you know? yeah right. you know and then of course they changed the composition of what what <laughs> matches were so yeah right so I, I still have some sulfur based matches which Listen. I use and on the jack on the cover of the little matchbooks are yeah. is a Reagan for president ad. So I know they're old matches. <laughs> I guess you're not lighting a lot of candles. I can assume. <laughs> no, no, no. But it is funny. Yeah, well, of course, when I was cleaning out my mother's uh, house when she had to move, I must have found ten thousand matchbooks uh, with the uh, Reagan for president ad on it. So I don't know where she got them, but they've been very helpful in my garden. Well, it's funny. Of course, you know my. My grandma was, uh, she had a, this huge, you know, glass, um, well, it was, it was like one of the water jugs, mm -hmm. you know, one of those big glass ones. And she had match, the, the, the paper matches uh -huh. from every place. I mean, probably if I had those now, they'd be, you know, collector's items. Yeah, some of them are, I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, she was she collected them, and they were, you know, they were kind of pretty, and they looked, they were just fascinating. God, uh, Jesus, if there was a um, uh, a fire in that house, they probably would have exploded. But anyway, um, that's uh, I don't know. With the compost, you see, the that's the beautiful thing about using compost is that you get a lot of the trace minerals. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons I like to have uh, people put in the kelp meal, and uh, even for that matter, the rock powder into their beds, is that it, it gives you that broad spectrum of trace minerals that make a big difference. Things like uh, boron and molybdenum and, and you know, all, all that stuff. It just makes a, you know, a huge difference is that um, uh, to the garden. And, you know, they talk about, you know, using the rock powders because a lot of our fields have been depleted, um, you know, from farming where you open up the soil. You know, it's, it's open to all to, to wind and rain that washes all these trace minerals away. So that's the reason, one of the reasons why they recommend using the rock powders for, uh, for farms now. But, uh, you know, why not do it for your garden as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way that I know is to, is to use the rock powders. Um, let's see here. Well, geez. Uh, <laughs> Time goes by. <laughs> do we do we take a break? You want to do some more? Uh, I, I think we're we're done with uh, okay. our sponsors. Other than to mention that when you do stop in, uh, mention you were listening to the program, and I guess a final yeah. reminder that the uh, Kate Farm uh, seedling sale yep. is uh, this is the final weekend, it so to, uh, today and tomorrow. Hey, um, they're posting these on the on the uh, podcast. Today. That is correct. Yeah. 
I meant to uh, to uh, mention that last week, and I forgot. So. The website is wdevradio.com, and get to the home page, and from that point on, they can they can point you to the uh, podcast. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Well, good. Uh, the um, uh, just a final note is to uh, treat your sets well. Be careful with them. Shade them a little bit. Give them plenty of water for over this next week. Uh, and keep planting. Don't forget to keep planting. You know, uh, that's that's a real important thing is to have a succession of good plants. Um, yeah, oh, and the last note that I have on the daikon radish, that's what I forgot to tell you. Well, we do have a call, so oh, okay. hold that thought, right. and All we'll right. go on air and find your first name in town, please. Oh, the pest from Lipton is back. <laughs> Hardly a pest. Good to hear from you. First thing first, thank you for playing Mr. Springsteen on Memorial Day. That was very nice of you. Most welcome, yeah. Um, I have actually a question today and a frost poem, and I'll ask the question first. Um, I think I've made it clear that I have a greenhouse, Mm -hmm. and five weeks ago we had a very frolicsome group of wonderful people come over and help us put new plastic on, Uh and it looks great. However, we have not re- screened the louvers. We've always had real fine mesh screening on the louvers to keep the bad guys out. Yep. And my thought is, do we just forget about that? Because in keeping the bad guys out, are we keeping the guys that... I mean, nothing's going to stop the grasshoppers from getting in there. Mm-hmm. By keeping the louvers open, do we enable good and bad to come in? I don't know. That would be insect life. Well, you're setting yourself up uh, by not doing it. If it's worked for you before, what you'd be doing is experimenting. Yeah. And for the most part, the you don't need, you know, for whatever you're growing, if you don't need the pollinators, then you don't need any of the bugs. And gotcha. it would be... It would be my inclination and, and would be to put those screens right back up as soon as you can because, you know, you're going to get your root maggot. Uh, that's a little fly that comes in and, um, you know, that can be real troublesome. The thrip, you know. Oh, good old thrip. Yeah, yep, so, and yeah, I would, uh, that would be my inclination. All right, well. Is, is well. It's a tough enough job keeping them out. It's. <laughs> It's hard. And so that leads to the next question, which is, do you have any thoughts about grasshopper control? We've used semispore for the last forever, and I truly believe I've bred a semispore resistant <laughs> because it takes it takes so long. It takes most of the summer before those guys finally say, all right, all right, we're done. Well, what you might do is is just try something else that, that uh, you know, like the uh, spinosad, you know, the, the Captain Jack's uh, dead bug, um, or the uh, neem oil, and try okay. something different to see, you know, uh, you don't have much to lose. No. Because if it's, you know, if they're getting accustomed to that, then... Uh, where are they coming from? Um, do you have a lot of grass around your greenhouse? It's straight in the middle of the woods, and yeah, it's surrounded by grass. Uh-huh. Oh, well. So, I would, you know, it's I not s- bomb-proof. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm sure it's not, but I, I, I get, uh, the two things I would try, of course, is, is uh, I don't know if you're mowing around the greenhouse, but that would be number one. Number two is actually giving yourself a berm, you know, the landscape cloth and the bark of a couple of feet around that greenhouse because they're coming in from the grass. That's where they live. Sure. And right. if you can if you can set back that grass a little bit, you know, both with uh, with the mowing or even just a, an actual pathway around it, that's going to help a lot, I think. Okay. It's, wor- it's worth the try. Well, do thank you. Yeah. And you guys were talking about asparagus plants all over the place. And mm-hmm. We we came back from a hike this morning that we did with our new dog, who was very happy, on the catamount trail. And part of this hike, there has been, ever since we started doing it 30 years ago, so is a section where there's a meadow with apple trees. Obviously, Mm. a farm was there before a farm wasn't there. Mm. And um, it's growing. It's growing. It's no longer so meadowy. We've got all these saplings. And so Mr. Frost 
thought about this. So here's a little poem, and I'll get out of the way. It's called The Last Mowing. There's a place called Faraway Meadow. We never shall mow in again. Or such as the talk at the farmhouse, the meadow is finished with men. So now is the chance for the flowers that can't stand mowers and plowers. It must be now, though in season, before the not mowing brings trees on, before trees seeing the opening march in for a shadowy claim. The trees are all I'm afraid of that flowers can't bloom in the shade of. It's no more men I'm afraid of. The meadow is done with the tape. The place for the moment is ours, for you, old tumultuous flowers, to go to waste and go wild in. All shapes and colors of flowers. I needn't call you by name. And um, <laughs> it's happening. Faraway Meadow is... Oh, that's great. Yeah. Tumultuous flowers? Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's, yeah. So, anyway, thanks for your That's time. called The Last Mowing, huh? It's called The Last Mowing. And oh, that's you just, great. All over Vermont, you can see these places where farms used to be and yeah. yep. how they've changed now. And, oh, boy, yeah. And then you think about what we're doing in a mm. hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully our places won't be paved over and won't be covered with shopping malls. <laughs> we don't want that. I would hope so too. Right. Uh, the 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 Tuttle Press has a uh, a book of maps from the 1800s, and I happened to get one uh, some quite a few years ago, and it's fascinating to note that these are from just uh, pre-revolutionary war, uh, civil war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pre-Civil War. And it's just amazing, uh, you know, when you look at the number of people that lived in Vermont at that time, was almost the same as it is now, 600,000 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the like where we are, Logtown, and then on the way up to Hardwick, there was a whole, there were banks and sawmills and settlements and schools right across from us. Um, it's amazing how many uh, places and, and are just it, like it's that. It's truly amazing and how it's changed. And I won't talk too much more, but we have just down the road from us, we have a planted red pine forest, courtesy of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Yep, yep. And when you walk through that forest, the first thing you're greeted by, if your eyes are working well, are two gigantic chimneys. <laughs> and yep. they were part of the CCC yep. camp out when they planted the trees. But as you continue to walk, house foundation here, yeah. house foundation yep. there. It's like, my God, there were more people up here yeah. in the early 1900s than there are right yeah. now. And it's, it, it, it feels good to know your old neighbors. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice feeling. Yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Well, Have Noel, fun. thanks so much. I appreciate Thank the call. And, um, and let me know how that works with grasshoppers. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're just—they look so much like your uncle. <laughs> so hard to them. Well, I—you know—from what I understand, they—they—they they, uh, they roast grasshoppers and eat them. So yeah. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you guys. <laughs> no thanks. That's Take okay. care. <laughs> Take bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye bye. But it might get rid of them. <laughs> Uh, okay, Joel, I guess we, yeah. we've gone past our time. It's, again, the quickest hour on radio is uh, in the Garden Show, and we will not see you next week. Mm-hmm. We have a Red Sox, uh, uh, and uh, let's hope it's a winner. Yes, <laughs> they need a few. But uh, week after, I believe, we're yeah. okay. Yep, yep. and uh, That's right. And it'll be uh, in the Garden with Peter Burke. All right. Here on WDEV. We'll see you. Thanks. with Peter Burke is brought to you by Menard Agway, your family true value yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by Grow Compost of Vermont, compost, soils, mulches, growcompost.com, and located on Route 2 in Moortown. By the Willie Store, your true value store in Greensboro near Caspian Lake.
by Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you, Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. By PR Lumber, locally milled lumber and family owned on Route 15 in Wolcott. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, seeds and feeds and so much more on Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flower and Garden Shop on Main Street in Waitsville. Join us two weeks from now at 1230 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burke. In yonder tree.